and just take a few minutes to talk a little bit about kind of the basis of our vision and I want to look at scripture because everything that we do to me needs to be based in the word of God and in the in the personality and the purpose that Jesus Christ gives us and uh, the church is not my idea it's God's idea the church was the the thing that uh, that Jesus said that uh, when he was, when, after he was resurrected and after he was talking to the people from time to time in those, in those days after his resurrection, he talked about the Holy Spirit coming and a new season coming, and he talked about what it would be like to be the church. And, uh, and, and so out of the, the work of Jesus comes this idea of the church. And it takes on many forms, and then over history it's changed and it's adjusted. Some people have great ideas about how they think the church should be different than it is. And it is different in different places. And culturally we develop what we would call church. But at the, but at the heart of it, we have to look at Scripture and we have to say, what does God want the church to be? It's not about seats. It's not about a building. If there was no building, we could still have church. If there were no seats, we could still have church. If there was, if there was no, if there was no um, uh, charitable status, we could still be church. The church is not dependent upon these cultural things that we have. The church is a living organism that has its head in Jesus Christ, its foundation in the Word of God, and uh, that's what we want to build on. That's the vision that we have for our church, is to be a church that focuses on Jesus and on the Word of God, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And over the next few weeks as well, we're going to be talking about the things that we as a church value. If you look at that sheet that we were looking at with the little blue squares on it, um, it uh, tells us a little bit about our purpose, is to see lives changed by the love of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in South Ottawa and beyond. Our mission is a, a phrase that you've probably heard us share many times if you've been around connecting to connecting people to God, to each other, and to our world through real relationships. Talks a little bit about our approach, about what means to connect to God and some of the things that we do there, connecting to each other and some of the things we do there, connecting to our world. And then it has six values that flow under that. And those six values, things like Jesus is our center, relationships matter, love and action, choosing grace, no masks, and new friends first. These are some of the things that we value, and we're going to be talking about those and looking at the biblical basis and foundation for these values as a church, and why we value them, and how we're going to implement those in the coming months and, and weeks, and some of the things we already do as a church. So we're going to be speaking about that over the next six weeks, and we'll talk about our milestones throughout this message a little bit, and some of the things that we want to, to um, achieve. You know, when you look at the Bible, it's a very different culture in the New Testament um, than what we experience here. Very different culture, people, different, they come from different mindsets and uh, a whole different world that they lived in. So we can't replicate exactly what happened there. But we can look at some of the things in the, in the early church, in the book of Acts, and we can, we can see there some of the, the, the particular um, concepts and values and the things that were happening there, and we can kind of build our foundation as a church from those things in the book of Acts, and that's what we want to do. When we uh, started out this process of, um, of the unstuck um, evaluation assessment, we, we determined that uh, kind of one phrase that kind of stuck with us was the idea that healthy things grow. That if you're, gonna, if you're healthy, then your life is going to continue to grow and develop. 
a healthy plant grows. Everything, every organism that God created, when he created it, he said that it was good, and he, he encouraged it to grow. He said, be fruitful and multiply in all of those areas of creation. And we believe that God wants the church to be healthy, and if it's healthy, it's going to be growing. Now, so that's really kind of what triggered our health assessment process. We've not seen numerical growth at Parkway the way we'd like to over the last few years. Many explanations could be given, but the b- bottom line is that we know that healthy things grow, and we want to do our best to be all that God wants us to be as a church. It may not lead to numeric growth. That's not our goal. Our, growth is, is some, our, our goal is for something deeper than that, But we believe that if we do the things that God has asked us to do, if we participate in the kingdom of God and cooperate with God in the work that he wants to do, then we believe we as a church should be growing. You know, the ministry of uh, the resurrected Jesus reveals to us what our message needs to be, what the focus needs to be of a healthy organism that is growing. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, it says that when Jesus was was going from place to place throughout his ministry, and even after the resurrection, he had one clear message. He was announcing to them the kingdom of God. And we believe that our clear message to the world needs to be that the kingdom of God has come that God has a kingdom and he invites everyone to participate in that kingdom. And it's a kingdom that is radically different than the systems of this world, where the systems of our world uh, uh, seek power and fame and prosperity and all of those things. The kingdom of God works in a very different way. Not that those things are wrong, not that those things are evil, but they are not the things that we pursue. We follow Jesus, and Jesus, like we mentioned right from the beginning of the service, his way was to take the, the humble way. Jesus chose to be uh, a servant to the people around him. Jesus chose to identify with people who were the least and the lost. And we see our role in the kingdom of God as being people that, that identify not with necessarily the rich, the famous, the great, the powerful. That's not our, it's not our goal to seek to be that in our community. Our goal is to serve our community, to serve the people around us whether it be children over at the park that are gathering today and coming over here and, uh, and um, using our Wi-Fi and our washrooms this morning, uh, whether it be, no matter who it is, we are here to serve this community and to serve you as people as well. And that's our goal. You know, we see evidence of that in our church um, even today. Recently, our GEMS girls uh, participated in... Uh, in loving our neighbors by painting pictures and delivering them to many seniors in our community that we know through Parkway and gave them all a framed picture that they had created. Uh, One of the other things that our GEMS girls did recently that I was really encouraged by was they wrote encouraging notes to the inmates at uh, the local jail at Christmas time. And one inmate received a note from one of our girls that simply said, I hope you get out of jail soon and that Jesus loves you. This note brought tears to the inmate's eyes because she was finding out if she would be released that day and it gave her hope for the future. 
You know, there are so many practical things that we can do to reach out to people that we don't know, people that we've never met, people that need, to, need uh, a touch in their life in some kind of way, and that's what we believe. If we are going to be the kingdom of God in this community, in this world, then we have to be like Jesus and be servants of our community. So well, healthy things grow when you have the right message, and we believe the message is the kingdom of God and inviting people into that kingdom and us being that kingdom here on earth. We also believe healthy things grow when you have the right power source. Jesus said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, there's no special technique to growing a church. Well, you know, I, and I know lots of people try to put it in books. I've read lots of books on how to grow a church, how to break growth barriers. I listen to lots of podcasts and lots of ideas, go to conferences and all those things, and you hear about techniques, and one church is doing this, and another church is doing that. And all of that is good in and of itself. But if we are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that brings the growth into any community and into our own lives. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come and it's, that would be the source of our power and the life of the church and the life of us as individual members within the church. And this is the gift that the Holy Spirit has brought to us. And he's called each one of us to be participants in that. Maybe at different levels, maybe in different ways, maybe there's a, there's, there's a, but there's a part for every one of us to play, each of us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, each of us to walk in the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God gives each one of us gifts, unique gifts, administrative gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, um, leadership gifts, all kinds of gifts are given out to people within the church, and each one of us are to bring our, our gifts and to offer them to the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit, and out of that we will see dynamic growth and influence in our world and in our community. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 to 7, Paul says this, he says, you know, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos, he was another preacher, he watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. We all do our part, but then we invite Holy Spirit to come alongside us and to, and to do the, the work of growing. You know, when you, it's coming planting season, spring. I, my wife was out planting flowers already in the front garden. Um, you know, she got, we got some pansies, and she planted the pansies out that can handle the frost, and so they we're going to see some pansies. we got flowers out there as soon as we could. And those are going to grow. Now, they're not going to grow because of anything that we do. Yes, we planted them. Yes, Hope went out there and she dug up the soil and she watered them and she put the fertilizer on them and that kind of thing. But now we're just going to watch them supernaturally grow. Because there's a power intrinsic in the process of life that God has created. And those flowers are going to grow. And you know, when we bring our gifts and we do our part, the Holy Spirit comes and he causes things to grow. That source of growth is not our efforts. It's not our talent. It's not my dynamic personality, as wonderful as that is. It's not about me. It's not about you as an individual. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing among us. But each of us have to do our part. 
You know, um, we did our best uh, last weekend to provide a good Easter experience for people. We had lots of people come. We had um, about 200 people here on, uh, on Good Friday and about uh, over 300 people here last Sunday morning. And it was, it was great to just in, have so many people visiting with us. But a, a lot of people made an effort to make that happen. And uh, we did our best to do something that, uh, that people, you could invite someone to. And some of you did that. I know one man... Um, here in the church, he took it upon himself to invite all his co-workers to come to Good Friday and to go through the Good Friday experience. And it turned out that his boss and his wife and his kids all came and, uh, and went through our Easter experience here on Good Friday. And, uh, and then they followed up and had lunch together. And, uh, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing that we recognize. Each one of us need to do our part. You plant a seed Another person comes along, will water that seed, but it's always the Holy Spirit that will give the increase and will see the growth coming. We see that God sends the Holy Spirit to empower us as individuals to be his witnesses, to do our part, and then we see the increase. If you look at this sheet that we gave out, you see uh, some of our milestones down at the bottom. These are kind of the goals that we have set or the, the markers that we have set that will show us whether or not we are being uh, successful in this process. And one of the key things that we see as being uh, a need for us in order to be able to grow is this first one, the church drawing our community to Jesus. We recognize that if we're going to grow, we need to, have, we need to see new people come to the church just to visit. And out of that, we'll see people come and they'll stay. And here's what we figure. We need to see on average five people, five new people visit our church every Sunday in order for us to grow. And if we do, we believe that within a reasonable amount of time, maybe 18 months or two years, our church, our, our Sunday morning service could be close to what it was on Easter Sunday. We, we estimate within the next 18 to 24 months, we could see our church grow on average attendance to 275 people if we have five new guests come every week. Now that means we all participate in that together. That means that we as a, a leadership team, as worship team, as me as pastor, and all of us who prepare this environment for people to come to, our service hosts, our, our hospitality crew that are at the doors and are at the cafe, all of us work together. But people, you have to, we all have to participate in bringing people, inviting people, like that man did for, for uh, Good Friday. Because that's part of what we need to see in the next uh, few months and years healthy things grow and the right you get the right results acts chapter 2 verse 47 says and each day the lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved what does it mean to be saved what does that mean they're being saved that mean they signed their name on a card, said, I, I'm, I'm saved now? Does it mean that they, they say a certain prayer? Does it mean that they, does it mean that they um, join the church? Does it mean they attend the church regularly? Well, they may do all or some of those things, but really, a person is saved when their life begins to be transformed by the power of Jesus. When a person surrenders their life, turns their will over to God, and God begins to do that, that growing, reju rejuvenating work in their life. 
And that's really the true test of whether or not we're doing the work that we are doing. Our lives being transformed, our people being changed, our people experiencing joy where there once was depression, our people, our people experiencing life where once there was death in their heart and in their soul and in their body and in their family. Transformed lives. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's why we... Uh, we believe this is very practical. We need, to be, we need to be practical about introducing people to Jesus in a culturally relevant way. You know, this, the world today is not the same as it was a few years ago, and people don't necessarily even know who Jesus is. Your neighbors may not have any kind of understanding of who Jesus is. The person you work, you work beside that sits at the desk next to you or, 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 or uh, that you serve with in, in your uh, in your particular area of employment, they may not even know who Jesus is. They may even not know what church is. And so as, as, as followers of Christ, part of our mandate is to just simply live the life of Christ in front of them and introduce them to Jesus by the way we live. Our lives being transformed lead to other people's lives being transformed. Us being the hands and feet of Jesus. You know how the early church grew? And grew exponentially in the, first, um, in the first few months and the first few years. It just, it's just people began to talk about Jesus and about the transforming power of Jesus, about the resurrection of Jesus. They began to do things that were radically different. We talked about this a little bit last week. The early church, one of the first things they did is they recognized that there were people that were going hungry in their community. They happened to be widows and orphans. Widows uh, had no source of income. If you did not have a man, you did not have a source of income. You could not work. You could not earn your own income. So if you lost your husband... Now, in the Jewish culture, they had, they had rules around that and how they would take care of those, but other cultures didn't have it. The Greeks and the Romans didn't have it. So the church looked at these, some, of these other, some of these women that were going hungry with their children, and they said, we need to feed these people. They weren't Christians. They weren't part of the church necessarily. But they began to do it. And they began to demonstrate something that was so radically different than the rest of the world. The love of Jesus. They began to show that Jesus brings love into our hearts. And they began to do a work. And that began, people began to notice that. And then when Peter got up to preach, or when Philip got up to preach, or one of the evangelists and uh, speakers got up to preach, they listened because the credibility that came from the work that the people were doing. The credibility of the love that they showed was what gave the, the, the voice credibility of the speakers in that church, in that early church. It's interesting, uh, another story from last weekend. Um, <clears throat> two sisters uh, in elementary school um, in our church invited their friends, two sisters, different ages, to come to Good Friday last week. So they wanted to come. So, of course, two sisters come and they brought their dad. And uh, their dad came with them and they went through the Good Friday experience. And then they said they wanted to come back on Sunday. And so the two girls came with their dad and then brought grandpa too on Sunday. You see, it's that kind of expression of interest in a person 
You'd be surprised who, who, will, who will start to listen to the message of the gospel if someone just shows interest in them, shows love to them. You don't have to be uh, someone great. You can just be a little elementary school girl inviting a friend to come along to church. Well, healthy churches or healthy things, or healthy church is also a church that is a community. There's some very particular verses in Acts chapter 2 that describe what the church was like in those early days. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in a temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You get a sense of how this, this, this church operated as a community how they operated together. It wasn't about, oh, the early church had a dynamic leader. Peter was a dynamic preacher, and everybody came to hear him preach. It wasn't about Peter. He was a dynamic personality. He had some great giftings, but Peter also had a lot of flaws and failings. He was just a man, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do. But every person in that church was just a person empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they all did what God called them to do. Some, it was to meet the needs of others, so they sold some of their property. They, they got together regularly, and uh, they shared together meals and the Lord's Supper, and they worshiped together, they praised God together, they listened to the apostles' teaching. It, was, it wasn't just this is all they did, they did everything together as a community, and they shared life together. You know, uh, when we did the unstuck assessment, they looked at about, I think it's about 13 different metrics and assessments, and we did pretty good. We are a little bit above average. They compared us to, to hundreds of other churches across North America and said where we are on this grid. And as, as I said, you can, you can get a copy of this if you'd like to see it. But where did we fit in? Some of those things we were doing really well at. Some of those things we weren't doing so well at. Some of those things we, you know, but overall we were pretty, we were pretty much just above average. But we want to do, as a community, we want to do the best we can do. We want to be the best we can be. I want to be the best pastor I can be. And I know that our, our staff and our, our board, they want to be the best that they can be in doing what God has called them to do. But it requires all of us. Paul uses the picture of a body. He says, you know, you can't do the work of the kingdom unless the whole body is part of it. And some of us have different roles. Some of us are hands and some of us are feet and some of us are, some of us are visible and some of us are invisible. And some of those, but every one of us need to function in the work that God has called us to do. Everything we read about the church in the, or the early church was that it was a community, a community where everyone belongs, a community where the doors are open, where people were welcome to come in. You know, one of the exciting things, I think one of the most exciting things that happened in 2016 for me 
was the acknowledgement we received from Christian Horizons, uh, the award we were given for being a church that is welcoming to all people. Now, Christian Horizons, I don't know if you know, is one of the, is one of the largest service providers to people, to exceptional people with uh, disabilities, adults with disabilities and special abilities. And, uh, and they, they, they looked at um, what our church has done to, to just simply be hospitable to a marginalized group of people in our community. And they said, Parkway is doing something unique and special. You see, my heart for this church has always been that we would be a sanctuary for people who maybe are not welcome everywhere else, but that we would be a place where the doors would always be open and every person, no matter their ability, their disability, no matter their past, no matter, their, no matter what, they're, what they're struggling with in the present, no matter what their life looks like, if they decide they want to be part of our church and they want, to, they want to experience God in some way, they have a hunger and a heart for God that our doors are open, that nobody is kept out saying, that we're saying to them, you, you don't belong here because you don't meet our standards. Whatever that might be. I mentioned uh, the uh, children across the way when the when, you know, the park's been built over the last couple of years, the grand opening is June 10th, and we're going to be part of that grand opening, and, and we'll have some things to share with you about our cooperation with the city and the park. There's some exciting doors opening up for us there, but last year when they opened the skate park, when it was finally finished, of course, kids just came to that like, like you know, um, bees to honey or whatever, you, however you want to say it, you know? They just... I mean, it was just, and, and this morning I watched out my office window and parents just pulling up and kids getting out with their skateboards and, you know, there's probably already over there this morning before our service started, there were probably 15 kids already there. And, um, and we found last summer that they just, they started to, they, they started to need our help for different things. There's no washroom over there, so they need a washroom. Um, their parents don't provide data plans for their phones, so they need Wi-Fi. <laughs> and so, uh, and they need a place to eat their lunch, so we set tables outside for them. We left the doors open. When we're here, we make sure the doors are open. And, we, and, and Pastor Nate took particular interest in getting to know some of the kids and introducing them to our junior high program and, and things that are going on. And, you know, we see that... Is it always convenient? No, it's not. Are they always respectful? No, they're not. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're a group of people that God has sent to us. And, uh, and we want them to know that our doors are open for them. And that we'll clean the washroom after they leave. <laughs> And, and, and we'll be grateful that God has given us that opportunity. But that's the kind of, of, of New Testament church I believe God wants us to be. I think you'll see some, you know, you know one of the things that has struck us as a staff um, when we looked at the New Testament churches is how they, they celebrated the Lord's Supper um, daily or every time they got together. And we've just been thinking about that, and God's been speaking to all of us, I think, about 
what communion means. And part of our tradition is to kind of relegate communion to just one spot once a month. And we know other churches, they serve communion every service and every time. And, and that really is more biblical model, honestly. Um, and uh, we just feel that, that, you know, the Lord's just calling us to restructure our services a little bit. And you're going to see some changes in the coming weeks and months about how we structure our services. So maybe leave some more room for for for. God to work, and one of the things that we're going to do in order to do that is to, is to increase the number of times we serve the Lord's Supper and to participate in that, because we believe that's a truly biblical thing to do, is to give people the opportunity to interact with the blood and the body of Christ on a regular basis, because we want people to have that opportunity, not just to, to, to have an emotional experience or to have a, a decision, but to experience actually the reception, receiving the body and the blood of Christ and part of that. Finally, healthy things um, can get messy. Healthy, a healthy church and a healthy thing is not measured by the absence of problems or conflict, but rather it's in how we manage conflict, how we manage problems, and how we deal with the things that kind of are inconvenient to us from time to time. How we treat one another in the, in, in the midst of our difficulties and our struggles and our disagreements, the grace that we are willing to extend to one another is more a sign of our health than the absence of those things. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says of the early church, it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. You know, more people means more opinions, means more ideas, means more um, conflict. Because that's just the nature of human relationships. We're broken, we're sinful, and we end up finding ourselves in conflict. I mean, you look at a family. Um, you know, if you have... <clears throat> let me use this illustration. This is not a put-down to people that have one child. It's fine to have one child. But you know what? If you have one child, they only fight with their parents. They don't fight with each other. Let me tell you, you got it easy. <laughs> you start adding to that number, you get two kids, they'll fight with each other, right? You'll have more arguments in your home. Now, if you're like Hope and I and you have five kids, well, there's rarely a peaceful moment. <laughs> Someone's always arguing in the backseat of the car. You know what I'm saying? And that's what the church found. They found that there were difficulties. There were seasons within the early church of, of, of plenty and of joy and of, 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 of uh, growth, and there were times when it wasn't. When we read about the book of Acts, we read about the time where the church is rapidly growing in Jerusalem, but within a few years of that, the persecution that comes and the difficulty that comes, the church, the, the church in, in Jerusalem ends up being um, very small, very quickly. And in fact, Paul, later on, is taking up offerings in the Greek world to be sent to the, city, to the church in Jerusalem because they're so poor. They go from being the big mega church to being the poor church that others are taking up offerings for. You see, there are seasons, and there were difficulties. There was persecution. There was suffering. 
Early on in the church's history, there, was, there were people that they wanted to be leaders in the church. They wanted to be an example, but they really didn't want to pay the price. So they, were, they became hypocritical, and they became deceitful, and they pretended to be something that they were not. And immediately, there was, there was, that brought, brought destruction and death into the, into the midst of the church. There were charges of favoritism amongst the leadership. You're showing favoritism to this group of people, and you're ignoring this group of people. The leaders were being criticized for that. There was lack of structure. Their things were getting out of hand. They weren't able to do all that they were supposed to do, so they had to start organizing themselves. They had to start looking at how we can do this, and they began to develop a leadership structure that, that, that would be able to, to service all the work that they were trying to accomplish. They had questions about who should be allowed in, who should be qualified to come to church, and who should be disqualified from coming to church. They said, there were people that said, those kind of people should not be in our church. We don't want those kind here. And others were saying, those kind belong here. They're the kind that Jesus died for. There were arguments about that kind of thing in the early church. There was racism in the early church. And there was arguments about leadership. Even the great apostle Paul, not everyone liked him. Some people got angry at him, and he got angry at some people. There, were, there was division, there were arguments, there were, there, there were leadership struggles within the early church. All kinds of things can cause conflict, whether it be our personal taste, whether it be our theological views, whether it be what we think about other people who are sitting in the seat next to us, all kinds of things. You know, the enemy wants to get in, and whenever God is doing things, as the church grows, as the church is moving in a direction that is forward and doing the work that God calls them to do, there will always be messy problems. It's part of what comes with it. Because I think one of the reasons is we, just, we, simp we have an enemy who does not want to see us prosper and to do the work of God. And the easiest way to get a church sidetracked is to bring in division, to bring in arguments, to bring in anger, and all kinds of things that don't get resolved. And the church suffers and the work of God suffers because of it. You know, we're blessed in our church to have such a variety of people so many people who, who serve. Our worship team is a great example of that, of multi-generational teams of people that uh, bring their talents, and some of them are really gifted, and some of them are just learning and growing, and, and, and you know, we, we don't try to be exclusive in that area, in all different areas. And, and Pastor Nate uh, recently did a project of what, what songs do people like to sing and what songs do they not like to sing? And, and, you know, we're looking at those kind of things. And we want to be a place where we work together and where we are able to accomplish something because of our efforts together. I think one of the most exciting things that we did in uh, 2016 was, uh, was a sponsorship of our refugee family. And uh, that's something where we just simply said, we, this is something we'd like to do. We kind of put it out there. We said, if you want to participate with us, uh, would you give some money towards it? And within six weeks, we'd raise uh, enough money to sponsor a family. And early last year, um, we welcomed um, uh, uh, Omar, Amar, and Hamoudi um, to Canada. And uh, they have now been here a year. And... Um, and, you know, it's just a blessing. When we work together, 
as a, as a, as a, as a, as a group of people, we can accomplish wonderful things because we participated. No one person did that. It wasn't my personality. It, wasn't, it, was, it was a team of people working together. And they did a lot of work, took people to appointments, did, did a lot of driving, did a lot of interpreting and all that kind of thing. Anyway, I, I'm saying that because I want to just uh, welcome Omar uh, to our service today. So Omar, come on up. This is the first